three, two, one, let's go. Welcome back to Mission Forge. I'm Bobby Jankovic. I'm the broker of Remax Capital. And Mission Forge is where we engage each other, empower one another, and elevate the world of real estate around us. And today, I'm going to dip the toe into affordable housing. Affordable housing, depending on where you are, but in most places, is a pretty big issue. A lot of people can't afford a place to live close to work and get their kids into the schools that they want. And so they have to live further out where housing is more affordable. And this includes both rent and uh, it includes sales. So it's a very big issue. And this is just the scratching of the surface, uh, a little bit of education. Maybe you can wrap your head around it to understand at least some of the players involved. So um, it's highly complex. It's not hard to understand. It's just that it has like about a thousand moving parts. So um, I'm sure there is some some complexity out there that I'm, I'm not thinking of. But basically, it is a fairly simple issue. It's just that housing has gotten expensive. And um, so the good news about having a lot of different causes is that it should have as many solutions. And and I think ultimately, as you'll see, that the solution is probably somewhat more readily available to you, especially if you're a realtor. But if you're just a person on the street and you're a homeowner, especially, um, there is ability for you to have um, have a, a positive impact toward a solution um, to this affordable housing problem. So I've got about uh, five possible solutions stretched out and I tried to, to look at them across the board. And the number one thing is education. All right. So first is education, understanding the playing field, understanding the breadth of the problem in your area. It may not be a problem in your area, but I think we're feeling it uh, pretty much unilaterally across um, uh, across the country. I know locally here in our neighborhood, the 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 community that we live in is got a lot of tourist activity, and therefore we have a lot of service employees. Um, you know, people that wait tables, all right? Former former staff person here used to wait tables. Um, uh, my wife was a hostess. Um, at a time, I was a bartender. You've got people working in hotels that, um, you know, cleaning the rooms as the, they turn over, um, you know, cooks in the back and, and busboys. And, and so, you know, these jobs tend to be a little bit uh, lower on the pay scale, you know, we want to call it blue collar, entry level, whatever. And, um, you know, when you're in a, an attractive place where people tend to come, you don't usually have, a, you know, housing tends to be a little bit more expensive. So that's a, that's a, we've always struggled with that here. And if you don't have that component in your community, you probably don't see, we have a little bit higher demand, you know, when tourist season, ends, which it's kind of getting to be a 12 month thing. But when tourist season ends, you know, the, the people still need a place to live and work. So, you know, if you don't have that flowing through your community, it's not going to be as pronounced. Um, but it is definitely an issue here. So how can you enhance the education? Well, you can read articles. 
Um, you can lean into your local realtor association. They um, are great resources of useful data. Um, you know, what is the start with? What is the average house cost? What is the average rent cost? You know, and and that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg and the type of information that they can provide to you. Um, associations also have experts. Uh, obviously, realtors are in the housing industry, so a lot of them do like to get involved and help. So, you know, you can become part of that. Um, the, the the National Association of Realtor is really well known for, you know, they're trying to be on the front edge of this and the, the solution side of this, and they have lots of grant money and study ability. They, they can produce uh, local studies to help the community leaders understand the breadth of the problem more than just like an MLS report. It's, they can do stuff that's, a, they've got, you know, big resources that they can tap into. So, um, you know, get educated, become educated, assist others in getting educated. Um, you know, just talking about it is helpful. All right, next is local and municipal regulations or incentives. So, you know, local governments can have a major impact, right? They can attract, they can seek to attract um, people who are willing to be cooperative uh, with this cause, builders, developers, landowners, you know, just putting the word out that, hey, this is something that we're interested in. You know, can we come to the table together? Can we have, um, I've heard in, in, in my area, I've heard the idea of getting a stakeholders meeting together. Uh, and that's that's really powerful. Just like, hey, if you're interested in this, if you think it impacts you, come to the table and let's talk. Let's 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 sort of put the cards on the table and see what's going on. Local um, leaders can also incentivize, so they can add language to goals and plans and comp plans. Local supervisors can begin to discuss incentives with developers, remodelers. Um, investors, if they agree to other defined terms, that would be housing affordable friendly. Um, I know in Richmond, for quite some time, they've tried to bring in investors by waiving certain levels of taxes or uh, completely waiving taxes if these investors would come in and, and you know, partner and do certain things, you know, get a house ready to go, sell it to somebody and, and bring people back to the area. So you could follow that pattern as a local government and try to start a, a blueprint for incentivizing people to come in, figure out what's needed and sort of incentivize that by, you know, lessening a tax burden, removing, um, some barriers to entry. And there are a lot of barriers to entry for remodelers and developers. And so local government is in a way the gatekeeper on a lot of that. Um, they can regulate new construction in a way that would be more affordable, housing friendly. Um, you know, and this takes lots of different, um, lots of different forms. Um, New HOAs could be asked to allow for certain percentages of rental units, perhaps higher than originally intended. 
So, um, you know, I, I and I can't believe I'm 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 going to get to something in a minute that's really kind of surprised me. But first, let me do a quick definition of affordable housing. It could mean a lot of different things, and that could be from density. So, you know, your local back to your local government, just controlling, trying to be less controlling on density. That might be a way if if a builder can can squeeze, you know let's just use a small builders. If he can squeeze 15 units into something that was originally planned for, for 11 or 12, well, that's three additional units. And the, that gives that builder a lot more leeway to remain profitable and, and still bring more units to the table. And maybe some of those units are smaller than the others, you know, and smaller generally means a little bit more affordable. So remember, this deals with resale and it deals with rental too. So sometimes we're trying to provide an affordable home for sale. And sometimes we're trying to provide more units for rent. And yes, I'm going on the idea that more units will reduce the pressure or at least stabilize the pressure, which is pushing prices both for rent and sale up. Um, remember, it's not just for sale, okay? It's not just for sale. So um, the local government has a lot of potential there to really be involved. Um, states can also uh, get involved. And this is where I would say, I can't believe that I'm looking to the West here. You know, a lot of times people say, well, can you believe what they did out in California? Well, I think California was onto something here. And in this one, I, I'm, I, I'm sort of in favor of it, and it's not a perfect match for what might be needed here in Virginia, but um, there's a code out in, um, in the link to this article is in the, the notes below in the podcast, but what they did out in California, because they're really battling a major, a major, major affordability issue, is they are forcing HOAs to increase their floor or ceiling. I don't know how, however, whatever side of the equation you're on, um, a lot of these HOAs were saying, you know, um, hey, 10% of the units can go towards rentals. After that, you know, we'll have a waiting list. And what California is saying, hey, look, you know, you've got to have a minimum of 25% of your units available for rent. Doesn't mean that 20, I, I should, shouldn't say that they have the capacity to rent up to 25% of the units. It doesn't mean necessarily that 25% of the units will be for sale, but it gives the owners of the property the flexibility up to 25%. So if it's a 100-unit complex, whereas two years ago it could have only rented 10 units, now an additional 15 units can be for rent um, in, in that complex, which would be 25%. So that's a big, you know, that's a big swing. And in before, you know, you point to California and, and think of them as always progressive and always liberal. And, and, and this is really a, a, um, a personal property rights thing. Because what we find or what I find in real estate, a lot of times people would buy a rental property in a particular neighborhood and rent it out to somebody, but the, the HOA won't allow it. And so what the state government out in California did is, is remove some of the rights of that HOA, which has really become a fourth level of government. 
that people are entering into voluntarily, but the state is saying, well, wait, wait a minute, you don't have the right to restrict as many people. I mean, there's still a restriction, it's 25%, but they're, they're, they're pushing in the right, the side of, of the personal property rights, which I think is very positive. And that's the way I come at it. You know, theoretically, anybody who should want to rent their property should be able to, um, you know, and I know there's a stigma a lot of people contend that, well, you, people who, who are renting don't care as much for their property. They don't take as good of care for their property. And therefore, it's a downward effect on all of our property values. So now that my hypothetical 100 home subdivision that has just gone from 10 rental units, um, now it's on its way up to 25. We're going to have 25 problem homes in the area rather than 10 and that's going to hurt my my property values so um but my argument back to you uh, back to them is well you know maybe we have to tackle that head on and maybe some of that is true maybe some of that is false maybe that's a stigma um i've lived next door um, my neighbor now is a homeowner, but we had renters for many, many, many years and several different renters. And I'm not saying they were perfect or not, but we always had pretty good neighbors and they sometimes they took care of their yard better than I did. And, um, you know, uh, I appreciate that. And, and you know, it's just I guess there's a transiency to having uh, a neighbor who's a renter that you don't feel um, that there's connected to the community, but you know, people come in and buy and, and present the exact same problems. So I think we have to, again, with the education, remove the idea that renters are, are bad in, at the outset. Um, and I will come back to that because um, if you give me one second to just talk about the federal level, I'll come back to the uh, idea about what, what states can do um, to help deal with um, care of properties and problem properties and neglected properties uh, associated with renters. So there's federal measures that can, um, there's federal measures that can be taken as well um, because certain loans have restrictions on the number of rental units and it's possible that, hey, there's too many rental units in this community and therefore because of that high percentage, for all the reasons that I just said, um, we're not going to give you a loan there. And you can imagine the detrimental effect that has on property values. Um, actually, that ends up making um, property values plummet, which would kind of be good for affordable housing, but it's usually associated with a lot of other problems um, as well. So we don't recommend that. Um, I don't recommend that, I should say. Lastly, it's you, okay? If you live in an HOA and you guys have a rental cap, you know, you should find out what that rental cap is and you should, you know, take a pulse of the community and see, you know, is there, are there people trying? Is it a nice neighborhood that people would like to rent in? And, you know, I, I find in my neighborhood, we have a, a number of rentals. People generally come in and rent for a, a short period of time because they just want to be able to buy in the community. So, you know, they rent, they rent, that's temporarily rent until they can buy, you know, and it's not tempor temporary because they don't have the money. It's temporary because they can't find the house they want to buy. So 
I tell you, you get on your HOA, you go to your HOA meetings, you read your HOA bylaws, you read the minutes of the meetings that you didn't attend, you communicate with the people on your board, you educate the people on your board, and you push to expand that rental cap that you guys have. It's your HOA, okay? It's your level of government and you're a part of it. So you have the ability to do something about it. Now, lastly, and I'll finish out, and this went a little bit longer than I thought, but this is important, is the state of Virginia is some proposed legislation and it's it's not gonna pass this year, um, but there's proposed legislation that, um, and this is dealing with short-term rentals, but what they're finding is that, that properties that are managed by professional real estate managers, those especially who are realtors, have, I'm not gonna say they don't have problems because problems just exist everywhere. And, and, and they especially exist in property management. Property management is a very, very difficult job. So, but what they're finding is that there is an appeal to having units that are properly managed by professional real estate people who are realtors and that those could, those units could be exempt from certain levels of restrictions. And so I, I and those would be, those are going to be delineated and there's certain things that, that, hey, we got this. This is part of our routine. This is in our paperwork. And, and, and the other reason that, that uh, realtors tend to produce fewer problems is because they are able to be located. When a problem does arise, it's like everybody knows how to get in touch with the manager. Everybody knows how to get in touch. It's the absentee landlordism where sometimes they're out of state and sometimes it's an LLC and you don't have a phone number and it's like, okay, I'll put this letter in the mail and see what good that does. You know, with, with a professionally managed local realtor, your, your solution is a phone call away usually. And, and so that really does help um, mitigate a lot of the misconceptions people have about having a rental property in your community. So I'm going to leave that with you. I want you to think a lot about it or think about it and just realize that you can be part of the solution and, and help bring um, more pressure to stabilizing rents and prices by um, just acting in the best interest of yourself and those around you. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Peace out.